It's Thursday, May 30th. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, Matt Koppenheffer, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Chief Investment Officer Andy Cross. Happy Thursday, guys. Hey, hey guys. I think my th- first time with Cop on the show. That might be so. Great. Uh, Looking forward to it. It was inevitable. It was inevitable at some point. Um, we're going to talk Costco, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Elon Musk saying some very interesting things about Tesla Motors' plan for the future. Uh, but let's start with Costco. Third quarter profit up 19% from a year ago. Uh, they had a slight miss on revenue, but uh, it couldn't have been too bad, Andy, because uh, shares of Costco hitting a new all-time high this morning. What an amazing company. I mean, Matt, we, I know you follow this. It's just such a great story. I mean, the th- here's a thing that I love about Costco, and there are three things. And I think investors tend to underestimate Costco. Um, one is that it has a unique selling proposition, a culture that's ingrained in that business to deliver a unique selling uh, experience to its members. Two, it sells a, a product that requires continual repeat purchases, and they do that com- with that unique value proposition. And then third, it has that beautiful membership business where it has some pricing power, where it can you know, very carefully and judiciously increase prices yeah. on their membership fee while at the same time trying to keep prices as low as possible on the products they sell. And it's just magic, and it's done very well. It always The stock always sells at a relatively rich multiple to its peers, but it's well-deserved, and that's why the stock continues to march higher. Um, it was about a year and a half ago that Jim Sinegal, the longtime uh, CEO of the company, stepped aside. Craig Jelinek took over, and Matt, we've seen... CEO transitions more often than not go awry, and this this seems like that company just hasn't missed a beat since Jelinek took over. Still, still chugging along. Y- you know, like Andy said, one of the one of the things that's great about Costco is the that membership model. I mean, in in few other in few other shopping establishments, you have this this thing where you essentially have customers paying you to say, "I'm going to give you money so you let me shop at your stores." <laughs> uh, you know, you t- you talked about the 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 miss on the top line on the sales. Sales growth was about 8% year over year, but those membership fees grew about 12% year over year. And the beautiful thing about that is that the costs associated with those membership fees, that's that's leverage, that's profit. So you saw a, a big gain in, in operating margin because right. of that. So that's wonderful for investors. And is is that ripple effect now over? Because I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the increase in membership fees... I think that was a year ago, or maybe it was over the summer. And so we've seen this play out over the last few quarterly reports where, well, look, we, you know, the membership fees, because not everyone renews their membership at the yep. exact same time. But I, if we're not at the end of that nice ripple effect, we're pretty close, aren't we? Well, yeah, it was about a year or so ago that they started implementing the, the, the very careful, pr- it's not like they are jacking prices up on their say, very loyal it, it members. It went from $50, yeah. like the baseline, the baseline. they have tiered, but it was from 55 to 50, yeah. or from 50 to 55. It's it? very incremental, and, and getting back to my points that I mentioned, the reason they can do this, and, and it's not like, you know, Sam's Club or someone else can't do this. It's just that, the shopping experience and the um, the focused kind of merchandising strategy that Jim Senegal had had built into Costco is so valued by their members, many of which are in this building at the Motley Fool, right. and um, and they're willing to pay a little bit more for that. And they're like, I mean, gosh, that's I'll, certainly that's barely the rate mm-hmm. of inflation over time over the rate of my membership. So sign me up. That's great. And and you see it in their comp store sales continue to go higher when the rest of the market, I mean, Walmart, Target. All those numbers are just not nearly as impressive. 
and that, and that's what we talk about with with great companies in general that they have that pricing power. So you, you know you, you think about Costco uh, as as a low cost place to shop, but then it's it's showing off the pricing power in in the business in the brand uh, via this kind of move. Yeah, and I think you have a lot of actually very wealthy people. I don't know what the demographics of Costco are, and I know I'm sure it changes by different company, but there are just like I've there are a lot of my parents' friends who are retired and. You know, I know they're fairly well off on their retirement, yeah. and they love shopping at Costco for the for the type of bargains they can find, the selection they get, and they're like great membership fee, a few more bucks. Here you go. I have to say that one of the most interesting things to me about Costco is while they do sell everything from you know household staples to you know high end jewelry, etc. Uh, they really take care to limit their choices. And it's, it's just, it's sort of the opposite of an Amazon where you can go on Amazon and you have almost unlimited choices. And if you're going into Costco and you want to buy ketchup, you basically have one or two choices. And it's like, nope, that's it. Yeah, and uh, Mac had just flashed a, a sign up from the booth, which is small business owners, and it's absolutely true. I mean, like just a lot of small business owners, uh, like us here at the Motley Fool, like uh, you know the Motley Fool shops at Costco. It's very important their business. That also they also pay higher membership fees for different values and different tiers of membership. So there's that, and 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 then Costco has the ability to kind of raise prices at different rates depending on their on their customer. But I walked by Costco last night at the mall in in. Uh, Outside Silver Spring in Maryland, where I live, and it was packed with families. I mean, kids running around. It was a shopping experience. They loved it. I mean, it was just compared to Macy's or Target. It, there was no comparison. Costco was the hot place to be. Matt. Shares of Envy Energy up more than twenty-two percent this morning on the news that it is now part of the ever-growing Berkshire Hathaway empire. Uh, it's being bought out by Mid American Energy. Uh, one of the holdings at Berkshire Hathaway, uh, for the tidy sum of $5.6 billion, Matt. And then when you factor in, there's some debt associated with this, which I think is another $4.5 billion. So this is not, this is not a cheap acquisition. Uh, as someone who looks at Berkshire Hathaway closely, do you think this is a good move? I, I think it's great. I, you know, I, I see a, a few different things here that we can take away from what, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to say what Berkshire's done here. It's more what Mid-American Energy's done here because this is really Greg Abel uh, executing on, on growing the, the Mid-American empire there. Uh, you know, one of the things is uh, I think if we look at the, the valuation after that acquisition premium is tacked on there, the valuation on, on NV Energy is okay. It's 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 not terribly expensive, but it's not cheap either. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at uh, NV Energy's results, its operating metrics in comparison to a lot of other utilities, I think what you have here is a very well-run utility. And when you look at the uh, the, the the base that they're serving, I think you have uh, uh, growing uh, geographies. Uh, you've got that Las Vegas that Las Vegas base there. I just moved out of Las Vegas uh, not too long ago. And although that's been a challenged economy over the past few years, uh, I think there will be a nice rebound there. That'll be good for NV Energy. Uh, for Berkshire Hathaway shareholders, I think one of the interesting things here is you're seeing a uh, another uh, Buffett deputy uh, making an acquisition call. So as we look forward to the future of Berkshire Hathaway and we think about a Berkshire without Buffett, I think one of the really interesting things to note is the number of folks underneath Buffett who he trusts with making a multi-billion dollar purchase, making the call on a multi-billion dollar purchase. And I think that that bodes well for the future of the entire company. Is this a situation where Greg Abel can make this call on his own? 
or does he need the blessing of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger? I mean, this is this is not a this is not a small amount of money. Well, this is this is mid this is uh, mid American. This is mid American cash. I. It's it's an interesting question. He gave I a heads doubt, up, didn't he? He I, had to have at least called him on the phone. I, I'm guessing that he called him up and he said, "Hey, Warren, you know, I've I've got I've got NV Energy on the line here, and I'd like to do this deal." I don't think Greg Abel goes out and, and spends billions and billions of dollars of even mid American money uh, without Buffett's blessing. But you know, I, I think this is this is him working in in his own capacity in a very large extent. Do you own shares uh, of Berkshire? Hathaway? I do. I do own shares. Um, we continue to. I mean, it's a it's a it's a, a, a favorite of, of many of the services here at the Motley Fool for for so many reasons. The beauty with this acquisition and acquisitions in general, and and Tom Gardner and I were talking about this before, is um, name dropper. Name dropper. Well, it's true because <laughs> Tom because Tom Tom was was teaching this uh, to to a few of us, and it's um this is it's a cash acquisition, and it's it's relatively small. I mean, Berkshire is a two hundred and fifty billion dollar company. This is a ten billion dollar company. You know, all in. Yeah. Um, it's the it while it is a mid American acquisition. Matt's absolutely right. Um, it's backed by the name Berkshire Hathaway and the balance. Sheet of Berkshire Hathaway, um, so it's a beautiful. I mean, it really is. It has so many demographics. Um, the acquisition in in Vegas, so many in Nevada, so many good um, uh, characteristics of the demographics that is going to be um, attractive to Mid American, and it's a it's a it's a great acquisition and a good use of cash when cash is earning nothing. Yeah, true. What percentage of the and and ballpark this if you, if you'd like to, but what percentage of the Berkshire portfolio? Is made up of energy companies um, because I know that you know they've got any, everything from you know railroads and energy companies to seize candy, etc. Um, wh- what piece of the pie is energy? And, and where I'm going with this is, with a company as diversified as Berkshire Hathaway, I'm wondering what it's going to take for that stock to get hit in a significant way. And I'm just wondering, like if if energy makes up. Thirty percent of the portfolio, and all of a sudden, energy stocks start tanking. Then maybe that has an adverse ripple effect. Well, I think you're sort of in that ballpark there. I'd have to look at what it looks like after you know pro forma for the NV Energy acquisition. But you're sort of in that ballpark. But one of the, I think one of the interesting things about expanding the utility side of the business, in particular the utility holdings in particular, is Buffett likes this because. It is a relatively stable business. It's going to get hit in a recession uh, because power power consumption goes down during recessionary times. But I mean, compared to uh, much more sensitive consumer discretionary businesses, that sort of thing, insurance businesses, which is uh, that's a a big part of. Uh, Berkshire's portfolio, that's a very cyclical business. So, um, you know, I think by building out the utility business, you've got a more stable base there for Berkshire. It's also, it's a regulated business. You borrow low, you generate pretty stable returns on that equity. And if you have the balance sheet of Berkshire Hathaway, you can borrow for nothing. You can reinvest it, you know, carefully raise rates when you're allowed to. I mean, like, it's just, as Matt said, it's a steady business. And I think when you look at the demographics and the opportunity in that space, what cash can earn Berkshire Hathaway, and it's so large that that they have to make pretty s- significant bets. Mm-hmm. Although, again, ten billion relative to the market cap right. is is real, is small. But it, like Chris, you started off. It's it's still a pretty big, you know. There's um, still bite a of lot of pot. zeros on that check. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's regulated business. It has very stable returns, and as Matt said, that's the kind of business that Buffett, uh, you know, dreams about. 
This week, the Wall Street Journal's uh, All Things Digital Conference has been going on in California. Yesterday, we talked about uh, Tim Cook and his comments there uh, today. Uh, Elon Musk, uh, this was actually on Wednesday, uh, Elon Musk, the CEO at Tesla Motors, said that uh, the company is building more supercharger stations and will triple its coverage area this month. And by year's end, you'll be able to drive your Model S from L.A. to New York City. Uh, what do we think of this? I mean, this seems, we were talking before we started taping, this seems to me as a positive symbolic move that says to people, oh no, Tesla is serious and growing because now you can drive across the country. But I don't know, is that like, are a lot of people going to be <laughs> looking to roll across the country in their Model S? Yeah, I think, I mean, the Tesla has been in the news, not just the stock, the business and, and kind of what they've been doing, the innovation, the cars they've been building, that I think Elon Musk is continuing to feel like he has to one up himself to demonstrate that this is not just a fad and it's not like a DeLorean, like this is a real right. car with a market that is very attractive long term. We're doing things that no one else is doing, and those things continue to get better and better. So that's why it can justify not just other investors' investment, but Elon Musk's own investment himself, which is quite substantial right. and getting bigger as he invests more and more into uh, Tesla. And I'm not dismissing this, but it just seems to me that the the symbolism is more important than the actual application, that, that if you're – whether it's Elon Musk or one of his deputies at the company, and you're in charge of looking at a map of the United States and saying, where do we want to build charging stations? Where do we want to put them? Well, yes, you want to put a bunch in California, and yes, you're going to look at the East Coast and the Mid-Atlantic region so our man Alex Scherer can get from Pennsylvania over the border down here to full headquarters every now and then. But I don't know, the the cross-country thing. Well, I did, at the end of last year when I moved to D.C., I did drive from Las Vegas to D.C. And, and what I was thinking was, I drove my Civic here, but I wish I could have driven <laughs> my Model S. I, I think you're right. I think it is symbolic. And, you know, and, and I think what they want to do is be able to show that, that this is the real deal. And, and, and so for, for people, uh, for potential customers looking at this, well, is, is this a toy? Is this just some, uh, you know, if you have too much money lying around and you want to buy something neato, uh, get, get a, get a Tesla. You, you know, I think when they start do, making moves like this, it's, we're here to stay. This is, this is the real thing. So, I mean, whether or not that, turns out to be the case. I, I think that's the symbolism, and I think you're right, Chris. Yeah, and just allowing Elon to start to build his battery-powered rocket ships to go to Venus. As <laughs> exactly. That's the, believe me. That's he, really the purpose of this whole he, he did, exercise. He did talk about space travel as part. It wasn't all about Tesla motors. By the way, I, I, I don't own a Tesla. Uh, I've never been to one of these supercharging stations. Are there snacks there? Are there bathrooms? <laughs> like when I when I stop at a rest stop on the highway, I know that oh okay, I can I can put some gas in the tank. I can you know get a coffee or something like that. I don't are, like. Are they thinking about these things at Tesla? Because if not, they should be. Well, I have the same question about like Westport's you know natural gas uh, facilities as as they build that out. Is it like like you know like a TA where you can take a shower and like you know, all that kind of <laughs> as, stuff. As a Berkshire Hathaway shareholder, I'm going to suggest that they call up Buffett and get some uh, get some Dairy Queens and yeah. some Orange Julius's hooked up with those uh, with those charging stations. Right, and if the car breaks down, like call like a Berkshire or a Burlington Northern train to come and take you from hitch a you know, ride. Yeah, there you just go. hitch a ride. Right? Uh, what do you think of this stock? Is it is it 
it just seems out of control. And we, there are people here at The Fool who own shares, and obviously that's why they've been walking around the office giggling over the last few weeks. But I just look at this, and, I, and, and in part because of this, oh, we're, we're building these supercharging stations. That has to cost some significant amount of money. That's got to hit their bottom line. There's got to be a pullback at some point, doesn't there? I'm far too boring for a company like this. Uh, you know, I, I, I stand on the sidelines. I look. I watch. I think it's an, an interesting story, but it's it's not the kind of stock that I that I invest in. Yeah, I, I still like the business, and I like the stock. I mean, like it's heavily shorted, and that's been a contributing factor here. And then uh, they issued the shares, and, and Elon came out and said he's sucking up and and buying a lot of of those shares, and that supported it. The, there's 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 some very good business momentum behind this um, this story, and uh, I, I, it's a buy for us uh, on on Stock Advisor, our service, and we still like it. Andy Cross, Matt Cobb, and Effort, guys, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Fooler. Our producer is Matt Greer. Chris Hell, thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Man, now I want to go to Dairy Queen. I'm or an Orange Julius. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big Orange Julius fan. Big, I like really? the idea of Orange Julius. <laughs> is there still, but are they stands? Are, are, is, is Orange Julius? Owned by Dairy Queen. Owned by Dairy Queen. Mm-hmm. Oh, Got okay. it. Um, Do they exist outside of food courts? Because that's uh, the only at, place I've ever seen them. As pairings with Dairy Queens. Okay. And, and I get really excited when I see one because they barely exist anymore. Yeah. But imagine spilling an orange Julius in your Model S. Ooh, that would be, be pretty awful. Right, but then you just download like a maid to come and clean, you know, clean it up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it. 3D, 3D printing. 3D printing. Yeah. Software. <laughs> the software. Yeah, there, now we're talking.